You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Anger, guilt, depression, low self-esteem, fear, panic, isolation, a feeling of defeat. These can all be symptoms of what is often referred to as malpractice stress syndrome. Though it can take many months or years to resolve a lawsuit, remember a malpractice lawsuit does not mean the end of your practice or your personal life, but you do have to devote a significant amount of time and energies to it. What should you do if you are being sued? Welcome to the business of medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. Joining me today is attorney Jim Bream. Jim works with Query and Harrow in Chicago, Illinois, where he concentrates on the defense of hospitals, managed care organizations, and physicians in professional liability programs. He has handled cases in the trial and appellate courts and is a featured speaker and guest lecturer on various healthcare and medical legal issues. Jim, welcome to the show. Thank you, Larry. Let's alleviate some of that stress in the program today. Thank you. Please do. Go. The first thing that you should do if you get served is to contact your insurance carrier. Notify them that you've been served. They will then process as they need to process the claim through the insurance company and have defense counsel appointed for you. If you have been in the unfortunate situation before and have a solid working relationship with existing defense counsel, my recommendation would be that you tell your insurance company about this and tell them about your strong desire to work with that attorney again. Is there a way I can avoid getting the papers if I see them coming? Should I run or should I graciously sit there and accept what they're giving me? Let's talk about service for a minute. Most service of the lawsuit is going to take place in your office setting. The question is, how big of a ruckus do you really want to have in terms of your patients that may be sitting in the waiting room? I want no ruckus. I don't want my staff to even know. Well, your staff uh, actually should be trained. Whoever is at your front window or your reception area should be trained that if somebody comes to serve papers, they should be taken to a side area, to a different waiting room, where you then can meet with that individual outside of the presence of your patients. This is something that you don't really want to disturb the ongoing delivery of care, or quite frankly, you don't want your patients to really be aware of the fact that here you are being served with a lawsuit. Now, your question is, should you run out the back door? Should you keep an eye through the, uh, the rearview mirror and make sure that nobody is following you? They will find you. It's not a difficult process to find a actively practicing physician. And do you want the sheriff coming out uh, and sitting in front of your office repeatedly? Evading service is not uh, likely to get you anywhere. Who usually does the serving? Is it a sheriff or is it somebody that just looks like a normal person? Typically, the first round of service will be attempted by the sheriff's office for the county in which the lawsuit has been filed. If they're unsuccessful, then a private or special process server can be appointed, and that can be anybody over the age of 18. Can they nab me anywhere? Can I be at a movie theater with my family? Can I be out for dinner with friends, or do they usually come to the office? They can nab you anywhere, but they're usually going to come to your office or to your home. And at your home, in most states, as long as they serve an adult member of the household, that's going to be construed as appropriate service as well. Let's say it occurs on a Saturday morning, and I'm in the office and they come by, and I cannot get a hold of my malpractice carrier because they're closed. And uh, I'm panicked. I am uh, devastated. 
I am so overwhelmed I have to cancel my appointments and leave for the day. Is there some sort of 800 number I can call for someone to talk me down? The thing about a malpractice lawsuit that is different, for instance, than an automobile accident or a product liability lawsuit is that somebody is saying, you, the practitioner, you didn't do what you were taught, your professional judgment was faulty, you as an individual are not a good practitioner. And I think that's where the emotion comes into play. You're saying you the listener, not you the interviewer. Right. So what the practitioner needs to do, number one, if possible, is to try to compartmentalize this. I often tell my clients that I understand this is stressful and there's going to be moments of increased stress, but to the best of your ability, you need to try to compartmentalize this. What you do best is caring for patients. So go ahead and on a daily basis, care for patients. When the anxiety level hits, when you're particularly concerned about this lawsuit, give me a call and we'll talk through it. There's going to be stressful periods throughout the course of the litigation. You mentioned in the introduction, it can take months to years. It can take years. And so the practitioner needs to be ready to deal with this over the long term. One thing you shouldn't do is shut down. Don't shut down as a defense where you stop talking to anybody about it, including your attorney or your claims person from the insurance company. You need to be a cooperative individual in the process. A defense cannot be afforded to you if you are not going to cooperate in the defense. Some practitioners that I've dealt with, we've needed to guide them through this process. They're angry at everybody. They're angry at their own attorney, even though that's the individual who's trying to right. help them through he's the there process. To help them. He's just, uh, and he's getting some displaced anger also from that's the right. physician. What else can the physician do in terms of support? Are there support networks? Are there... And you may not know the answer to this. Are there websites available for doctors that have been sued? Because it's got to feel extremely isolating and devastating to someone who is at the top of their game, thinking they are the greatest physician in the world, and may in fact be the greatest physician in the world and still get sued. And it's got to be, you know, the the, the fall from grace has got to be enormous for that doctor. So what can he, what what else can he do? I think it's a great idea for a practitioner to try to locate if possible somebody else who has been through the process. Oftentimes you'll find that at the academic or tertiary care institutions these individuals who are in high risk fields have been sued and they have a great attitude about it because they do look at look at it as a corollary to the practice of medicine. It's part of doing business and perhaps somebody who's been through the process can explain what the process is really like. There are also some books that are on the market, some of which have been written many, many years ago, but they're still good books. One that comes to mind is called I, the Defendant, and it's about a psychiatrist who has been named in a uh, lawsuit arising out of the death of one of her patients who committed suicide. And it takes you through this individual's emotions and experiences with the discovery process and ultimately through trial. These are pretty good resources for the practitioner to use. You know, just like when I watch a television show on medicine and you can sit there and tell me how this isn't real, that Grey's Anatomy or ER, uh, you don't have a resident who is practicing in every single field that's available within an hour. It's the same thing with respect to the law. What do you see when you turn on a television show that's a legal show? You see the crime. 
You see the police investigation. You see the trial. Sometimes you even see the appeal. Within 10 minutes. Yeah, all within 40 minutes minus commercials, right? Well, that's not how it's going to take place. It's going to be a prolonged process. It's going to be slow. Even trial is methodical, slow, and built with delays. So you need to compartmentalize this process, as I mentioned, and you need to have the understanding that it's going to be a long-term situation. How long, Jim? Five years average? Every court in the nation is attempting to expedite the time period from the commencement of the lawsuit through the end of trial. Depending upon how crowded the docket is, that's going to depend on how long it takes to get in front of a jury. Some jurisdictions, you can get to a jury within a year, maybe even less, but typically within a year, whereas other jurisdictions, it could be four to five to even six years before you see the jury. You mentioned getting in front of a jury, but how many of these cases actually end up going to trial? It's, it's quite small, isn't it? Yeah, there's three general pathways that a lawsuit can take. One, it can be dismissed at some early stage because of deficiencies in the lawsuit, because the plaintiff may change his or her mind, because their attorney may realize through discovery that there's an inadequate basis for pursuing the case. So you can have dismissal. Two, you can have settlement. Settlement can occur at any time and for a variety of different reasons. Three, you can have the case proceed to trial. On average, you're probably looking at less than 10% of all cases that are filed, ultimately reaching a jury, and in reality, really looking at probably about 5%. And of that 5%, how many of those are settled even before someone takes the stand? A very good point, because a lawsuit can be settled anywhere along the way. Many cases are, are settled in the early preliminary evidentiary motion stage called motions in limine. Some are settled as the jury is selected so that you see what you have that is actually going to be your peer group judging you. And others can be settled anywhere along the way. A witness does poorly, you have an unanticipated event, or suddenly the demand as against the case comes down drastically to a region where payment is appropriate. Jim, when a case finally gets to trial, what do judges and juries usually do? Do they find in favor of the plaintiff or the defendant in the rare case that it gets to trial? We have before us escalating malpractice awards. And what you see reported in the media are these large, rather exorbitant awards. But there's a bit of a myth out there, too, and that's that when cases go to the jury, that the verdicts are overwhelmingly in favor of the plaintiff, when in reality, just the opposite is true. More cases are, are determined by the jury in favor of the defendant or the physician and hospital or other health care providers than they are in favor of the plaintiff. We're, we're just about out of time. I was wondering if you could comment if the physician does have to go to trial. Have they done any research into what type of behavior the doctor should display, what color tie he should wear, things like that that will help him? There's actually an enormous body of research with respect to jury behavior and with respect to the role of the individuals in the courtroom. For the practicing physician who finds himself or herself on trial in front of a jury, remember this. The 12 individuals sitting in that jury box are the most important individuals in the courtroom. Speak to them. You want these individuals to walk out of the courtroom at the end of the day and say, now that's the kind of doctor I want to go to. If you get that attitude in the jury, if they see you as the warm, open, communicative physician, 
that they want to have a relationship with, the case is won. So the law is really worthless at that point. The law, it's not worthless. The law is the measuring stick. But in addition to using the law as the measuring stick, the juries have the right to use their common sense. And they're going to look at these individuals and say, against that measuring stick, who's going to be more credible? Is it the doctor that I myself have that faith and belief in that I would go see, that I would trust my medical care to? And if that's the case, they're going to rule in your favor. Jim, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for clearing up what to do when one gets served and what to wear when one gets sued. I'd like to thank our guest, Jim Bream, attorney extraordinaire, for coming on the show. You've been listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments, questions, or if you have an interesting case you'd like to have discussed on the show, please email it to xm at reachmd.com. And thanks for listening. <laughs>